What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. We are back, Sean. How are things, dude? It's been a long summer and it took us a while to get our shit together, but we're back. Whew. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's nice to be back and watching hockey and meaningful hockey. And uh, yeah, it was nice to take a little break too, to be completely honest. Hey? <laughs> yeah, definitely recharge my batteries a little bit. And I've been looking forward to this for well, easily a month, if not a bit longer than that. But sometimes life gets in the way and it doesn't matter, though, because we're back now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Life, uh, good life things. Very good life things. Uh, but I digress. Uh, we are back. You know who's not back, Sean? The goddamn Edmonton Oilers, man. I mean, I- there's at least some people who aren't <laughs> back. That's for sure. There's some serious lack of something going on with this team. And we're going to get into that. Absolutely. I think we got a lot to touch on. But uh, before we dive in to get things going, uh, we're consistently looking at uh, different opportunities this year, Uh, maybe some new formats coming out. Uh, We'll definitely try and keep the podcast more to a routine number um, of uh, episodes per week, at least one per week. Uh, But uh, (laughs) definitely trying to drive some more engagement. Uh, We want this this podcast to be something where we can reiterate what everyone's uh, seen on the internet. Um, so the more and more uh, buy-in we get from everybody online, especially uh, on our YouTube channel and our Twitter uh, page at, at Crude Oil Podcast, the, the more the merrier. Um, dude, Sean, after Saturday night's game, I threw up a tweet, and this, this gives you a good sense of where the Oilers fans are at right now. I went um, from a guy telling me to fuck off with like the shit-ass, like, assessment that I had of this game to us liking each other's tweets back and forth in a span of like five tweets. That's how fucking like roller coaster we are already. I mean, with the games that have been happening, people are going to be a little, I'm going to say sensitive because I could be sensitive about it too. <laughs> if somebody pushes the wrong buttons with me, but um, I think it's, it's warranted. Everybody's a little heated after these two games, all for separate reasons, all because yeah. of, different moments that have just really soured people, but it's important to remember it's two games. It's just two games. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this will come out before the, uh, the game against Nashville on Tuesday. So hopefully um, everyone's kind of listening to this and thinking a little bit more positive, but we got, we got to peel back the layers, dude. We gotta, we gotta start with that, that absolute face slapping in Vancouver on the 11th uh, opening night. I didn't see that coming for a mile away. I don't think I saw Edmonton getting slapped that hard. What was it like the worst defeat they've had since I think it was 2016 to the Islanders? Yeah, it was. But like maybe even that game wasn't as bad as this one because this one was just disgusting at the amount of effort that was on the ice by, I would say, every single player. Yeah, it was. I don't know if you got this sense, but I think first off, like shout out to the Canucks. I thought that uh, that intro for Brock Besser with the captain switch. I thought that was really fucking cool. Like how they brought out uh, Trevor Linden and uh, Stan Schmiel. I forget the other uh, um, player's name, but like having the the passing of the torch. I thought that was so cool. And knowing like the players are going to start off probably slow, having to sit around in the dressing room a couple extra minutes, waiting for that stuff to all get played out. I kind of expected a slow start. I mean, I didn't Edmonton, not wake up. Edmonton is notorious for slow starts, and maybe you can even blame the game on um, both Wednesday and Saturday for the slow starts with all the bullshit they have to go through to start the season. But mm. 
that game in particular, and I do want to preface quickly that uh, I think you said Brock Besser's captaincy, but it's uh, Quinn Hughes' oh, captaincy. But, Thank you. Thank you. I mean, yeah. it's hard not to have Brock Besser on the brain when he puts up four goals on us in game one. That was pretty yeah. disgusting to have to deal with. But I think it definitely would attribute to them having a slower start, especially with the late games. It just doesn't really make for a very exciting first period to get like, your legs under you when you're standing around just waiting for the game to start for a solid extra, what, like 20 minutes was their intro ceremony on mm-hmm. Wednesday? Like... They didn't really yeah. stand much of a chance when it comes to that. But even that is not an excuse for the effort they put in. Like maybe the first period they were down three, nothing. I'd be like, okay, they don't have their feet under them tonight. Maybe they'll get going eventually, but then they just never showed up for the rest of the game still. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Back to your point. Yeah. I was, I'm staring at the, uh, the stats line right in front of me. And that's probably why I said Brock Besser. Cause his name is fucking everywhere on this page. Uh, <laughs> like, unbelievable so um apologies there <laughs> yeah it's i'm with you like you expect the slow start two nothing after the first like i was like okay shake it off after the first period maybe uh, a little bit of rebound but uh and then things just got worse like i was just first night back from two and a half weeks in europe so trying to get readjusted from from jet lag and everything it was a fucking struggle to stay awake and i'm not gonna lie sean i stayed up till the end of the second period and i i watched the rest of the next day like there was, it's one of those games where you know this team has zero chance of coming back. Well, I was crossing my fingers when they scored their first goal and they were down 4 1. And I was like, Edmonton's come back from worse. They could do this. Right. And then um, almost immediately afterwards, only three minutes afterwards, uh, Pedersen then scores and immediately dejects me again. And then yeah. we just can't catch a break in the third period. The, like, nobody's trying. Everybody's taking garbage penalties. It's just embarrassing. And it, honestly, if I if it wasn't the first game of the season keeping me probably adrenaline rushed enough to stay awake, I probably would have turned it off after the second period and been like, fuck this. You guys can d- come out with a better effort on Saturday and I'll watch that game, but I'm not going to even support this tonight. Well, and it's so weird because like you look at the stat line and it's really, really tough. I mean, I'm sure you can get into a lot of advanced stats that'll tell you a different story, but things look pretty even across the across the board in terms of that. But kudos to Vancouver. They they played a really uh, sound game. I think I think you just have to go back to the way the Edmonton Oilers played. Like shots on goal very close, face off percentage, power plays, like that was the thing. Vancouver executed on everything and Edmonton a couldn't put anything together uh b the the turnovers and just the combination of the defensive collapses and and the fact that you couldn't get a save like it was just it was brutal man like it was brutal well like you can look at it from three separate perspectives as you can every hockey game like offensively they got stymied by Demko so they couldn't really get anything going Um, And then with that, they couldn't get through the neutral zone to save their lives. They couldn't get the puck in deep and get possession. They would dump it and immediately lose possession every single time. And they were just kept to the outside on most of those shots. So Demko didn't even have to put much effort in. Then defensively, it was, like you said, an absolute shit show. And they've been talking about putting a new defensive system in. But I'm... I think we have two games now that have clearly shown (laughs) that that is not working at all. 
Not that uh, yeah. I think the defensive system might have been the issue last year or anything like that, that it needed to be changed so drastically, but I don't know what's going on with what they're doing now, but it is not working. And then you can yeah. look at the goalies, who both had a 750 save percentage, giving up four goals on 16 shots. So yeah. I'd say it's just an all-around failure from every possible perspective, like a coaching perspective, a player perspective, defense, offense, goalies. There was nothing that went well that game. The only thing you could look yeah. at is like, oh, we're one for four on the power play. Good job, guys. Even then, <laughs> like, I, I guess if you're pulling out positives out of that thing, yeah, I, I wrote down the question, um, and... I think you kind of answered it in a roundabout way, but who do you think is the most uh, the most to blame for that performance? Because like I truly I don't know. Um, if I'm looking at both games in a nutshell, and I don't want to spoil too much, uh, I definitely think that the defensive effort. And I want to be clear about this because I think that the forwards um, on this team get far too much fucking slack for the defensive effort in their own end. And everyone always points up the goals against. Uh, that the Edmonton Oilers give, um, and they always point immediately to the defense. Yes, we have some terrible um, uh, mistakes being made. I feel bad because Bouchard is already fighting the breakout pass. Um, but like some of the efforts from the forwards, I hate to pick on Evander Kane, but like missed assignments in your own ends that are um, leading to uh, to to scoring chances for the other team. Like it's. I don't know. It's just defensive play from everybody. Well, it's like you said, it's, it's just an all overall effort. Like nobody yeah. was showing up to play and it was just straight embarrassing. They probably could have made that game like maybe a five to two effort. And I would have been like, okay, we got outplayed. That's fine. It happens. We got goalie. That's fine. It happens. But like, you can't expect your offense to score nine goals to win that game. And you can't mm -hmm. expect your like defense to give up that many goals. It just hurts my head to even think about. We're not winning <laughs> with one goal. So like if we had three or four goals, I'd be like, okay, maybe it's on the defense and the goaltending for not keeping the puck out of the back of the net. But like they scored eight goals and we had one. It doesn't matter whether our offense was better or our defense was better. Everybody was bad. Uh, what's your take on, uh, I know they... I never actually saw a video clip about it, but uh, I know that there's some kind of sourness towards the goalie pull in the the third period, moving Demko out, apparently dealing with some some flu-like symptoms and them uh, throwing in Smith for the end of the game. What was your initial... Did you think it was... Like, I thought it was such a slight at the start. I was like, this this is tough, going on a back-to-back -back against a team that could hand you your, 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 uh, your lunch on Saturday. Um, but turned out to be i guess flu <laughs> well i was lucky enough well i don't know if lucky is the right word to be watching it with some vancouver fans and they immediately told me that there was a flu bug going through the room like before the game even started so mm. that they're like they weren't thinking that vancouver would come out with the best effort because some of them might have been struggling with their flu-like symptoms like you mentioned but then immediately afterwards you read that uh demco puked in his mask and you're like okay like that's pretty yeah. disgusting and that i think i'd be like you know what we're up eight one i just puked in my mask i've done enough i'm out of here <laughs> and like then he yeah. didn't play on saturday when he probably should have if he was healthy so i think it goes to show he probably shouldn't have even been playing on wednesday and i'm hoping that nobody ended up getting the flu from being too close to him i saw i think it was hyman laying close to him a few times where they're having a nice little chat laying on the ground so hopefully nobody picked anything up
Well, the good thing about that game is it's not like Edmonton flooded the crease to get anywhere near him anyway. So yeah, um, that's really the <laughs> that's, thing. But oh. uh, I just, that, it just that's hurts for game one. Yeah. Well, before we move <laughs> on, there is one more thing I wanted to talk about that you mentioned. Sure. And that was their ability to break the puck out and yeah. how the forwards are really missing their defensive responsibilities. And I do agree with you. And I'd like to just go into that in a bit more detail. So essentially there was multiple times, even in that first game where I think it was nurse was sitting behind the net with the puck waiting to break it out. And all of the forwards are gone in the neutral zone. There's no close support or like quick, like breakout passes to be made. They're all long stretch passes. And he yeah. inevitably gives the puck away because there's nobody to pass to. And he sat behind his net for a good 30 seconds. And like that might be on nurse for not seeing an easier pass sooner. But at one point, one of these guys needs to be back as like kind of the close support breakout pass option, because I feel like that's kind of sewering Edmonton over and over and over again, that it's so hard to make that quick first pass when it's always like a double line pass to try and get the puck out of your own zone. I agree with you. I think uh, there's an element of, uh, uh, like you mentioned before, but I think there's some coaching strategy that needs to be able to pick up on that. Like if you can't read, like if Vancouver's got it figured out, you can't keep trying to force something down their throats. I get it's the first game of the year. You're probably trying to get your systems up and working. Um, But like you mentioned, like have a guy drop down low and, and, and carry the puck up. Like, uh, that I agree. the The long stretch passes that everyone uh, seems to be making, particular Nurse, particular uh, Bouchard, it's just it's got such a it's it's basically the equivalent of throwing a hail mary in in football. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Yeah, I just don't really like the way that they're doing it. And obviously, sometimes it's a great option and it works out and it can result in an odd man rush the other way. But I feel like with unfortunately the ability of our defense, at least right now. They just don't have it in them to get those breakout passes consistently all the way into the neutral zone. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a concern, especially when you can have teams that read that and they can, especially again, if you're forcing that play and you know you can jump up and intercept that pass, you can easily turn that into an odd man rush going back the other way. So I, I don't know. I'm sure it's all kinks just trying to get worked out and... Um, yeah, hopefully it's it's smoother here in the future. <laughs> well, speaking of smoother, uh, the game on Saturday, yeah. I will say was smoother. Still pretty rough, but smoother. Yeah, well, I mean, like the start was better than any effort that we saw in any seconds of the game on Wednesday. Like they came out guns a blazing. It was nice to see the the effort was definitely there. I, I would say considerably over that entire game, the uh the Oilers played a much more um, passionate hockey game, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Uh, but it was just, it's those silly mistakes, man. Well, if you look at the stat line, outside of the actual score, which is unfortunate, they had a very good game. They outhit them. They outshot them more than, more than two to one. They had more power plays. They scored two power play goals. Um, the only thing they almost won in but actually lost was face-off percentage. So, like, you'd think that would be like, oh, yeah, that's a good game for Edmonton. They probably won that game. And then you look at the score and you're like, wait, how did we give yeah. up four goals on 16 shots? Yeah, I, I think that's 
that's probably the biggest story of this entire game is is the goals versus the 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 shots that were taken. I, I might get put on blast for this. I get the goaltenders on this team have not been pulling their weight. I, I still think like that one fucking goal that uh, Vancouver. How do you have a two on zero given up? Like, what are we fucking doing? That was right after the McDavid goal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, like, I I did go back and watch that because I was baffled at how that would happen and if you if you watch it how it goes is there's the three forwards are in the neutral zone breaking out with the puck and uh, or not with the puck and cody cc has it on his own blue line he makes a short pass to the forwards and rather than play his role in defense i'm not gonna say he should pinch ever but he jumps (laughs) up in the rush so that's fine a defenseman can jump up in the rush to create a four on three that's fine but then nurse is behind him can see CC is clearly in front of him and also jumps up in the rush, creating a five on three. But now there's suddenly two guys behind you. So if you fuck up, you are fucked. And we inevitably saw what happened. Yeah. So it was just a defensive error. Like, unfortunately, they don't seem to have the, I don't know, the vision to realize that the other guys are all like one, two, three, four. There's four guys in front of me. I probably <laughs> shouldn't also pinch. But I don't know. I'm I can sit here and complain about it all day, but like at what point do you need the goalies to have one of those four goals? I'm not gonna say any particular goal. Probably not yeah. the tips, so it'd have to be the two on O or the Sam Lafferty goal where it was like a one on one with Echo. Yeah. Goaltending. Um I'm going to be honest. I, I thought you should have started Campbell right off the bat uh, in game number two. I I really I need you to t- tell me why you feel that way. Uh, you, you've got a guy building up his confidence in the preseason. He was extremely strong. Uh, he had a team that just absolutely no-showed for him in game one. Uh, they pulled him. I would say two of those goals, three of those goals, weren't exactly all of his fault. Um, and you've got a guy who's starting to build back his confidence like, Give him back the net. I I didn't think Stuart Skinner like I, I get the the run that he was on last year, um, but I, I don't know. I think you still go back to the fact that Jack Campbell. Since look at his his, his performance in the in the playoffs last year, like this is a guy I think long term, and we'll get to it later. I think is going to be your starting goaltender, and I just. I, I didn't understand the this the decision. Um, I'm trying to be as logically biased about this because I've never been in a situation where I want both goalies to succeed so much. I have a really hard time picking favorites um, on this team, but I just I thought it was a weird decision, especially when you have a team that was uh, a no show in game one. You throw out the tape, and then you're still making tweaks. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, I have to agree with you that the team did not show up in the first game. You can look at those goals and a lot of them were absolute defensive breakdowns or bouncing pucks or just absolute chaos that Campbell or Skinner, for that matter, didn't really have much of a chance on. With that being said, I believe from everything I've heard leading up to the first couple games here is that the plan was always to play Campbell in the first game and Skinner in the second game. Being that the preseason or in preseason, Skinner hadn't started a game 
and since mm. like over two weeks ago. So say, for example, he was starting in Nashville tomorrow, it would be over two weeks between starts for him. And Edmonton is a team that is going to have to ride both of their goalies all year. You can't expect one to play yeah. 60 games and the other one to play 22. So they want Skinner to feel that puck and to get into a rhythm as soon as possible. So that's so, the, that's the mentality behind it, I believe. I don't know for sure. I'm not in the room. I don't have uh, Woodcroft's telepathy to be able to talk to him about it, but that would be the most sensible reason why they would do it. But, I mean, I get it. Like, I, I think the reason I, I think that you have to throw that plan out and, and make some adaptations is nobody showed up in game one. So let's scrap that. Let's start the plan over from game two. Because... Heading into Nashville, like, I still haven't seen anything, but who the fuck do you start? Like, Skinner laid an egg on Saturday. Both guys didn't show up on Wednesday before. Like, what do you do? Well, I think you go back to Campbell for sure. Yeah. Like you, like you said, Skinner had his shot with it, and I'd say the team somewhat showed up. Like, they played yeah. pretty poorly yeah. defensively on those moments, but it was only 16 shots. And they had goal support this time around, so it's easy to look at this game and blame the goalies slash the defense, especially with two on ogles and wide open tips for two of the goals as well. But I don't know. Like, I definitely agree that I don't think Skinner should be starting after he laid an egg on the weekend. Um, so they go back to Campbell and see if he cannot lay an egg. Yeah. I, I think it'll be nice to get right back out on the road. Uh, just a week away for this team is probably going to feel so nice. Just uh, all the, the bullshit that they've probably been um, subjected to. Uh, I wrote it down later in our, our notes, but I thought the funniest thing about this is how Wednesday um, getting the absolute wheels blown off. They have to go in and sign autographs at West Ed. Like that's, that's a tough, honest, like, Welcome to the league moment. Um, yeah, you got to wonder but, how many questions and uh, concerns they got from some people in the crowd during that, or if people were just happy to be there. Yeah, I saw an interview of them asking Drysidle, and he was like, no, I was actually kind of shocked. He says, I was expecting it, and I was really nervous for the first 10 minutes. So whether he's blowing smoke up her ass, I don't know. But <laughs> well, was, I'm sure half the yeah. people there are just happy to be, have their opportunity to get one yeah. of them to sign something for them. So they're not going to be like, dry saw you suck. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people don't have the, uh, the, uh, let's say testicle fortitude to, to pull through with that fucking move. That's a uh, great phrasing of that. I've never heard testicle fortitude uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out Mick Foley. Um, yeah. Heading into, uh, to Nashville, It'll be a nice week away. They've got Philly on Thursday and then back at home uh, to play the Jets on Sunday. Um, I thought it'd be uh, pretty fun here just to go over some predictions. So that I know we haven't really planned for this, Sean, and I'm going to throw you right into the fire. I love um, predictions. I love flying by the seat of oh, my pants and winging it. It's okay. My favorite. Okay. So, so we're going to do kind of a, a, a superlative kind of game here where I'm going to throw you the uh, the prediction and you tell me who's the first person that comes to mind or the first uh, um, the first player that you think of here. So um, when we talk about who is going to be the biggest good surprise of this hockey team this year, who do you think it's going to be? Well, after the first two games, I'm going to say Warren Fogle. Okay. I think he's looked 
like one of the few players who's trying. He's flying every shift. And like, for that matter, it's kind of that third line in general of uh, Fogel, McLeod, and Holloway. But I've noticed uh, Fogel more than anybody else on that line for sure. Yeah. I I love when you get to see, he's been one of those guys, whenever he puts in hard work, you can see it more than like half half of the, the, the team. I don't know. It's just when he's going, you notice. Well, I think he's um, just so fast. And then like, it makes you double take sometimes because he has that seven on his jersey and you're like, oh, is that, is that McDavid <laughs> skating? It's, it's similar with like if Nuge is going, you see the nine, you're like, oh, there's McDavid again. He's on the ice. He was just on a shift. Why is he back on the ice? And you're like, oh, shit, it's not McDavid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love seeing that in the the whip in the wind. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think the biggest good surprise is I think Dylan Holloway is going to take a, uh, a nice step. I really loved his preseason and the... Uh, the efforts he's made in the first couple of games. Um, I feel the the injury kind of stunted him last year, but um, try not to be so overly optimistic like I was last year. I, I just think, I think the kid's ready. I think this is a, a good season for him. Um, most disappointing surprise. So the most this, disappointing this might be a... surprise I expect to happen. Yes, yes. Well, it's already rearing its ugly head, but I feel to a degree it will be some regression on the front of Stuart Skinner. Okay. And it's mostly because, like, the sophomore slump is a thing, but, like, he was very, very, very hot at the end of last season, in the regular season, to the point where he almost won the Calder Trophy off the back of, like, the last 20 games of the year. And I think the expectation of people should not be that he's going to improve from last season and it will likely be more middling results, I would imagine. And maybe come playoff time, he might be a bit better. But for the regular season, I wouldn't expect him to just be lights out all season. That's that's totally fair. I, I had him plug for another one of these categories, but um, we'll leave him out now that he's, he's off the table. Uh, I think most disappointing surprise... And again, with all of these, we all hope we're wrong. Um, I, I think I've had this feeling going into this this season, and I've kind of seen it in the first two games. Connor Brown, I don't know if he's going to be exactly what everyone thinks he's going to be. I don't know. I'm just well, people seem. I was to think- shocked to see him up right at the top to start things off. I get it. That's where he played the entire preseason, but um, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think people are thinking he's just going to be another Hyman. But yeah, like he's never put up those kind of stats and I get he used to play with McDavid in junior, but like it's more recent, but it's similar to the whole dry Dominic Cahoon thing where like, oh, he played together when they were kids and they were great. Like just because they used to play together doesn't mean anything. It's like, I think we all know somebody we used to be friends with when we were kids who we don't (laughs) have any relation to or relations with in the slightest anymore. So like all that chemistry is gone. It might take some time, but I think Brown playing a little lower in the lineup to get going, especially because he didn't really play last year, will be very, very helpful for him. And it's funny Mm -hmm. we talk about this because they did announce what their practice lines were this morning, and they had Fogel bumping up to the second line, uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl together on the first line, and Brown going down to the third line with Holloway and McLeod. Yeah, full thing just in a blender there, that three out of four lines there. Yeah, pretty much. Like the fourth line stays the same, which is good 
Because I think we have yeah. a very flexible top nine, which is kind of what I've been talking about all season or like all preseason. But unfortunately, we haven't been recording anything, so I wasn't able to tell <laughs> anybody these f- thoughts and feelings. But we have an extremely flexible top nine where we have like four or five guys who can play center and pretty much all of the guys can play on any of the wings without t- too many issues. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's going to be a lot of blendering, so to speak, throughout the uh, entire year, I feel it. Um, okay, we just did most disappointing. Uh, the most expected turnaround from the prior year. So this is kind of a weird one because I feel like everybody had such a good year last year. Um, Like, who even had a bad year? I guess you could maybe look at defensemen i think most like expected turnaround would be i'm gonna say deharnay based off of getting another year of experience and having to go through a little bit of adversity in the playoffs where he made some huge mistakes and i expect him to be a solid third pairing defenseman like all season when like i'm really hoping that he can make his mark but it might be a little bit hard to get into the lineup when broberg and kulak are both on that third pair now unless we're playing 11 and 7 yeah yeah absolutely i uh um i had most expected turnaround from prior year oh no never mind that was the next one Uh, i actually have darnell nurse here and for a couple different reasons this is such a tough take after the first two games (laughs) um but uh i think with the uh, the full year that we'll have with that um especially if we get to see some some ice time because I, I'm sure we're not going to see Nurse and Bouchard together the entire year. Um, but getting kind of that split between the entire uh, lineup, I would really like to see Darnell Nurse kind of find that game again. Uh, he was kind of the, the 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 scapegoat last year. I think a lot always boils down just to his fucking contract. Like, it's just the nature of it. Um, but I, I think a stabilized year for him would be the best thing you could imagine. A, a, a season where you don't hear his name in every single headline, because last year it just felt like it was always negative. Hey, I'm down to hear it in every single headline, as long as it's the positive headline. <laughs> that would definitely be nice, but well, I can definitely see that. Yeah. You've mentioned before, like the quieter defenseman gets, like usually the better they're playing. Well, like outside of the, blatant mistakes that nurse has made in the first couple games like the one giveaway uh in game one where he tried to wrap it around the boards just pass it right to a vancouver player i I still have that burned into my skull and then obviously (laughs) there's the two on oh situation like those are the things i remember yeah unfortunately like the really good plays that he's making like when he is consistently making those breakout passes they're not etched in my brain and i'm sure they're far more numerous than the mistakes he's making. But unfortunately, these mistakes are ending up in the back of our net. And then they're a lot, it's a lot harder to get over them when they show up on the score sheet like that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, hoping this is uh, the start of some good vibes heading his way. Uh, okay, most likely to return to Earth from the prior season. So basically, the inverse someone who had an amazing year last year that's going to kind of settle in. It's going to be Nuge. I have to say it. Yeah. 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 I know you were probably going to say that too, but it's like, I have Nuge at like 75 points and that's like, should, should be considered a good season. So I don't want anybody to see this as like a slight on Nuge. 
75 points for him is a great season. If your second line center is getting 75 points, you should be ecstatic. But like expecting 100 points, 90 points, even 80 <laughs> points from him is just asking yourself to be disappointed. So I think 75 is a very realistic ask that I would be like very happy with. Yeah. Yeah, I think he was the most honest answer that you uh, could have picked out of everybody. Um, it's kind of a weird one because outside of him, I think I think you might see a regression uh, from Stuart Skinner. But again, in the spirit of you taking him uh, and Nuge being picked, this is tough. I, I think the only thing that <laughs> kind of comes to mind, and I feel bad, it's, but it's it's probably Derek Ryan, unless unless he continues to to shock the shit out of this this fan base with his his steady play and um it just felt like every time you you least expect it he's he's putting uh genos in the back of the net so um I, i'll i'll take in the spirit of this game i'll take Derek ryan well that's not a it's not a bad thing he had a very good season last year but i w- i was thinking you might lean toward maybe hyman because he had a really good oh, year yeah. last year too and like it's similar reasoning and thought process I have to Nuge progressing a bit is having um, a healthy Kane all season is mm. like there's only so many goals and points to go around. Somebody has to be getting assists and scoring those goals. So I imagine Kane will take a bit of those points and goals away from Nuge and Hyman. And yeah, like, that's Kane, Kane might have some first line power play time. So Hyman won't be there. Maybe Kane will be in front of the net because that's what they did the year prior before Kane got hurt or even prior to him getting hurt in the season. They were sharing duties. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because like Evander Kane, I was trying to think of all of these these categories and where he fits in. Like, I truly don't know what to expect from Evander Kane this year. I mean, I'd be like, happy with 30 and 30 from him, to be honest with you. Yeah. But I don't know if that's going to be realistic with the way he's been skating out there. It's a little bit looking like he's in mud. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. I mean, this whole team has kind of had that that uh, that feeling for a little bit to the start. But again, two goddamn games, Greg. Um, Okay, last one. What's your hottest take? It could be good or bad about this Oilers season. Could be players, could be team related. I'm going to say Jack Campbell is the clear-cut starter by the end of the year and has a 915 or higher save percentage. Oh. It's going to be hard to come back I from like that 750, it. but I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> Law of averages, man. That's a good thing. A couple good games, you're right back in it. Exactly. Um, whew, that's a good one. I I would be extremely happy with that. Uh, I think... I think he needs a big bounce back year. Um, I don't like where this one's going. I've just had this pit. And this is just me speaking my feelings, Sean. Jesus. Um, I didn't even say anything. <laughs> uh, I think the Oilers power play takes a big step back this year. A big step back. I think I think it's going to be one of those years where teams start to figure it out. Um, you've got the two best players in the world on the power play. But if you find ways to shut it down, I think you effectively shut down the Edmonton Oilers. I just, there's been, and I know there's been some, uh, some really good execution this year, uh, but I don't know. I, I just, it's a gut feeling. I hope to God I'm wrong. Um, but I don't think you'd come anywhere near close what, uh, what they had last year, especially with it being like a, 
best power play of all time kind of situation. Well, I think uh, it would yeah. be unrealistic to think that it's going to be as efficient as it was last year. Yeah. But, like is I'm just curious now about your uh, thought sure. process on this. I, I, um, I would say sub 25%. Sub 25. Okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's a hot take. Cause I was yeah. thinking like sub 30. I was like, that seems hot enough, but sub 25 yeah. <laughs> is something. Um, yeah. Like, do you think that Bouchard isn't going to fit in very well? Well, I, I don't know. I, I kept watching the games in the first uh, two, and I'm like, they're not... I think Bouchard's amazing when he unloads. Like, I saw him today working on, um, at the end of practice, uh, working with McDavid on one-timers and stuff. But, like, uh, clearly there's so many different opportunities, especially, like, at the end of the game on Saturday night, where I was like, dude, fire the fucking puck. And I don't know if he just, like, couldn't find a lane or if if they are just truly trying to get him to quarterback a play down low, but um, I, yeah, I find, I found Bouchard, the guy to be shooting the puck to be the most effective version of him. I would definitely Uh, agree with that. Like I would think of Bouchard either with his one timers, if he gets them off, but even like the soft wristers through traffic, the old uh, Brett Burns special, I think like that is a great opportunity for goals, especially with a guy like Hyman out front, who's got like quick hands. He's, he can tip the puck and you got dry there on the, on the right side, ready to tap in any rebounds that pop out that way. And hopefully Nuge on the other side, like I can see that being a good option, but you got to wonder if he's a little, I'm not going to say afraid, but just a little like hesitant to make those shots because you got McDavid on your right, like just wanting the puck. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this sounds really stupid, I know, but I would rather have Cody CC out there if you're going to have a quarterback. Like okay. that's why I you thought, had like, me until you said Cody no. CC. Okay, let me let me <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying the type of player. That's why I think like if you're going to have that quarterback esque type player as the defenseman uh, on your power play, that's why I think Tyson Berry was there for so long. But you know. I'm going to be honest. I wish that we were more popular so I could see an article tomorrow that says that Greg thinks Cody CC should quarterback our power play. That is not what I fucking said. That is so out of context. That's what like, I that's was why getting. I make the, that's why I'd make the headlines. You're so exactly, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm never going to live that one down now. Ugh. Are you still there? I'm still here. I just thought you fucking gave up on the podcast after. I mean, I almost like disconnected from this call (laughs) after you said that. I'm not going to lie. Do you know what I'm saying, though? No, I do know what you're saying. Like, you want a guy who's just like, I don't know. Oh, I I know what you mean, but I can't put it into words. Yeah, if if your whole point of having a defenseman on the thing is to get the puck down low to McDavid and Dreisaitl to make something happen, um, I don't like I, I don't think you're going to have Evan Bouchard is a shooter and I think you need him to get shooting more. So, well, he's almost a better option on the second power play where he's like the primary like option for getting the shots away versus like dry being the primary sh- uh, shot option on the first power play unit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Insert CC with echo or nurse or fucking. Yeah. I'm never living that down anyways. Um, <laughs> That being said, uh, we'll see what ends up happening with all those takes. Hopefully we're uh, 
right on most of them and wrong on the bad ones. Uh, next up, we just had the Heritage Classic stuff. That's coming up quick, man. I couldn't believe it's like a week and a bit away. Yeah, I'm super excited for it. I wish that I could afford tickets, but... Uh, Would you I actually want to go to that, a- though? Well, with the way the weather has been here in Edmonton, like I would have no problem with going to that. Like, it's like, like, oh, it's going to be nice and warm. I could go in just a hoodie and I'd be comfortable. I mean, other than going to Nickelback, would you really? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> like the allure to go sit in a Coliseum and see hockey from that. And this could be just like a, another terrible take, just straight L's for Greg on the first podcast back. But like, I that's all shit ton of money to go watch hockey through binoculars. Listen, like that's part of the reason why I'm talking about not being able to afford it. It's mostly because I don't want to afford it. Like yeah. going and sitting in the nosebleeds to watch that. Like it's a cool experience and like assuming it's sold out, it would be really fun with everybody around you. But mm-hmm. I don't know. There's like, maybe there's a reason why the uh, Elks are closing the upper bowl for next season. <laughs> It's like, it's it's not really fun to watch a game up there, like from a mile away when you could be down and be able to watch it. But then when you're in the lower bowl, the angle's awful, so it's hard to see the ice. Yeah, like anytime, if you're especially along the, the sidewall, like you'll never see a puck up against the boards, know where it is. But No, like that's one of the nicest things about the way that Rogers is set up now is that it's so steep that you can see the puck from any angle, really. Yeah. 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 Uh, Anyways, uh, thoughts on the jerseys, because I know we haven't had a chance to talk about it, but I don't hate the Oilers jersey outside of the positioning of the C on McDavid's jersey. It looks absolutely Ooh. ridiculous. Yeah, and they need to lower like... that. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if like is back that, in the that day, that's, that's like my big take because it's like it's heritage classic jerseys. They're supposed to look old and a little like unique. So that's fine, but that scene needs to come down because it just looks so ridiculous that high up on the jersey. I get it. I get it. I think the thing that I... The combo of whatever brown, tan bullshit they were trying to do with their their uh, pant covers and their uh, helmets, I, I it's, it's just throw up, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's gross. It's... Uh, I I thought that the whole thing was like pretty like oh really like this is the best we could do I get what they're trying to go for, um but actually this weekend I went to an event and I got to see one up close and they're not so bad like they're not horrific, uh but then it's just as soon as you throw that like mustardy brown I I don't know I think I it could have been a lot cooler with different pant covers. I think it could have been too, but like, I don't know. I'm not a a designer. I don't know if I could make anything that looks even relatively good. It might look like absolute dog shit, but (laughs) at the same time, I think at least the Oilers tried to make theirs look throwbacky versus the flames. That's just the C that says Calgary flames around it. I think it's very, not very imaginative. And I'd be a little disappointed as a flames fan to be like, this is our throwback Jersey. Like where's the horse head? Give me the flaming horse head. What do they call him? Oh my I, god, why can't I call him Flaming the, Horsehead? Flaming Horsehead. They have an actual name for it. I can't fucking remember off the top of my head. People are screaming at their at their headphones right now. Um Yeah. Uh, the Flames played it safe. That's exactly what they did. Um 
Yeah, going around the around the league, a couple uh, topics that came up uh, last night: the Ducks wore their thirty-year jersey. Uh, did you get a chance to see that? I did see it. It looked pretty sick. Whew, I'm that down is for that. That's dripping wet, sexy, right there. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love that thing. I don't know why. They, I, I'm sure there's some rights with Disney that they can't get back to uh, the that logo and kind of color scheme. I'm sure, but. Um, that that's their go-to it's gotta be yeah i think it's pretty good i'm happy that they're wearing that and they'll probably keep wearing it i imagine i just don't understand why teams don't do fun jerseys like that more often because Mm -hmm. like people love that shit they eat that shit up i'd buy those jerseys if i was an anaheim fan yeah yeah like i don't know i'm sure i'm sure they could make millions and millions of more dollars doing it uh, do you get a chance to see Rasmus Dahlin's hip check? One of the cleanest fucking hip checks I have seen in years and years. It looked fantastic. Giving me a Dude, shades of Cronwall on that kind of hit. And I am one of those people who rarely will sit and watch like a random ass hockey game on a Wednesday, Thursday. But I was, I was killing time, just chilling on the couch. And I was like, whatever, I'd rather watch hockey than fucking the news, I guess. Um, and so I was watching it and I saw it live and I was just like, oh, this is why people watch this all the fucking time. Like that was so old school. I loved it. Was, it. it was great. And then I don't know if you saw last night in that same Anaheim game, Radko Gudis also threw a fantastic hip check. And yes. Absolutely destroyed somebody. Yes. Yes. That uh, the hips are back this year, baby. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're throwing it back. The hip checks are back. Like it's old time hockey. And like, yes, I think I was all over sports highlights the next morning, but there was also like a real 90s fight in the AHL. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that clip at all, but it was just two guys I did not. swinging for the fences at each other for 30 straight seconds. Good God. Yeah, I'll it's... find it and send it to you after we're done here. OK, we'll have to check that out. Um, some news that kind of broke this afternoon right before we recorded uh, Kirby Doc. That's a that's a big loss for the Canadians. Uh, sounds like a torn ACL and MCL. Yikes! As a guy who's had knee issues before, like that's that's a brutal injury for him. So um, after the <laughs> year he had last year too, that's really disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tough. Um, did you see anything? Uh, uh, just curious. Did you see the Taylor Hall interview about? Uh, uh connor bedard and they're talking about his like first week and whatever in the nhl i think i saw something along the lines of him saying i don't know why he's doing so many interviews yeah 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 i thought it was a really uh eloquent way of saying like you guys need to back off and like let this kid like adapt um granted like when you think when taylor hall came in he was probably not talking to tnt like uh mid shift or you know in between the benches uh during warm-up and stuff maybe like a little bit but not to the same extent um that Connor bedard has been thrown into this and then i mean he does the canadian tour already uh getting thrown up up here so it's a tough tough first start but this kid is is legit man i mean he has looked legit in his first two games of the preseason he looked fantastic like i think he's easily going to be a point per game player this year it's just a matter of time he's I think he had 16 shots in his first three games. Like, yeah, he can, he could really do it all, but 
Yeah, he really needs to get some of that weight off his shoulders. Getting like put in Chicago was pretty pretty rough in terms of the media attention he's going to get because they are a little obsessed with hockey there ever since Taves and Kane decided to go there. So yeah. they they need to back off a little, let him play. But at least he's got a guy like Hall who's been through being been through the media ringer a few times that can help him out. Yeah, isn't there? Uh... Yeah, I guess so. I was gonna say I was nearly gonna compare him to Nick Foligno because it didn't he go there, but uh, uh, different uh, circumstances. I just meant more of like the veteran presence. But um, yeah, I I think Chicago is gonna have a a lot of future good years um, coming up. Um, But oh, just speaking of Bedard, just on my my last note, um, did you see the the clip with Drysital bugging him? Uh, it must have been one of those uh, those camps or one of those uh, biosteel camps or whatever it was with the 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 shooting drill or the accuracy that they had. I don't think I did see that. Okay, that'll be a clip I send to you. This is super fun for everybody listening. Hey, uh, yeah. but so, oh, I'll send just, you a clip and you send me a clip and then nobody else yeah. will get to watch it. It'll be great. Yeah, see if you guys buy in and you start sending us shit. Um, no, yeah, uh, we can watch it beforehand and then everybody it, can be involved. Exactly. Actually, I bet you I could insert this right fucking here. Dude, hurry up. There's other people I want to go to. Hey? Oh, my bad. Hey, did you do the stick handling one yet? Yeah. What'd you get? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I think it's not what you get. 64? Uh, 64? Yeah. I got 108. Dude, we did. Yeah, I did. He's, but he said I was middle of the pack. Well, it was different than that. No. Yeah, it was. Um, but I think that basically uh, uh, does it for the uh, the podcast, man. I, I don't have anything other than, yeah, just the games upcoming with Nashville. Tomorrow, Philly, Thursday, and Winnipeg on Sunday. We'll try and get a podcast probably out early next week, eh? Yeah, I think that's probably going to be the goal as usual is early in the week and... Uh... Yeah, we'll keep you guys posted on when those get released. Let's hope this is the start of the Oilers um, showing up for the 2023-24 season. Yeah, season hasn't started yet. We start uh, t- tomorrow on Tuesday. Woo!